Today, the Matt Wall Show, Jazz Jennings is one of the most prominent trans-identified people in the country. He's also an abuse victim who has been brainwashed by the evil adults in his life, especially by his mother. Jazz, Jazz posted a video uh, criticizing me this week, and I'll give my response today. Also, a woman accusing Tucker Carlson of creating a hostile work environment has been doing the media rounds. We'll analyze her claims today. And we have an all-time classic to add to the catalog of terrible Kamala Harris speeches. Finally, companies are sending opt-out emails to save customers from having to receive traumatic Mother's Day emails. What's that all about? We'll talk about it and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show. The pro-life battle has finally left D.C. and is going to the grassroots. As one of the largest pro-life organizations in the entire world, no one is in a better position than 40 Days for Life to end abortion in a post-Roe America. With 1 million volunteers in 1,500 cities, 40 Days for Life holds peaceful vigils outside abortion facilities. Because of that, they actually have a larger presence in blue states, specifically California. Former abortion clinic directors say that these vigils can cause the abortion no-show rate to go as high as 75%, which is very detrimental to their business, which is a very good thing. These law-abiding vigils have helped close abortion facilities in San Francisco, Seattle, Chicago, and many other cities as well. They're also leading the way in uh, efforts to prevent pharmacies from dispensing chemical abortions. You can support their work and check out their locations, podcasts, and free magazine at 40daysforlife.com. And it's really important that you do that because if you think that this, is, this issue is over and it's all solved now because... Uh, Roe is on the ash heap of history. You're totally wrong. The fight has never been more important. So for more information on 40 Days for Life, go to 40daysforlife.com. Jazz Jennings is a name you probably recognize. He's now a 22-year-old man who identifies as a woman, or I should say was identified, was identified as a woman. This is not a path that Jennings chose for himself. It was chosen for him at a very young age. And we know that about him. And we know much else about him because his parents not only chose to make him trans from a young age, but also chose to make him a public figure from a young age. We're told that uh, Jennings was first diagnosed with gender dysphoria at the age of four, though his mother insists that he identified as a girl uh, before that, before he was even old enough to talk. Somehow he was identifying as a girl. By six years old, the child was already doing the media rounds. His mother shuffled him from one interview to the next. He was featured on 2020 and the Rosie O'Donnell show, which existed at the time as well, uh, had him. By the age of seven, Jazz's parents had established their own foundation, which is the Trans Kid Purple Rainbow Foundation. And this foundation was made so that they could assist trans youth and also, as it happens, receive donations. Now, coincidence there that they started doing the media rounds and then they started a foundation where they could take donations. Uh, you know, total coincidence. Uh, barely in a middle school, Jazz started in his first documentary, I Am Jazz, A Family in Transition, premiered on the Oprah Winfrey Network in 2011. A couple years later, Jazz had another 2020 interview, a follow-up. Two years after that, while still a child, Jazz, quote-unquote, co-wrote a children's book about his life titled I Am Jazz. Uh, and that was in the, the same year that Jazz Jennings began receiving awards and accolades and recognition from organizations like uh, GLAAD and Time Magazine and many others. A year later, the Jazz Jennings reality TV show debuted on TLC when he was still a kid, followed by the Jazz Jennings memoir. And while he was being constantly filmed and documented with, his, uh, with this you know, spotlight shining on him, he was also at the same time being led from one step in the medical transition process to the next, starting with, of course, the chemical castration drugs at the age of 11, followed by uh, hormones, and then genital mutilation at the age of 17. 
Now, yes, we're told, right, that nobody's performing actual surgeries on kids. That's not happening. And yet, and yet one of the most prominent trans-identified people in the country had surgery when he was a kid. That was just the first surgery, by the way. By the age of 20, Jazz had undergone three, quote-unquote, gender confirmation surgeries. So he still wasn't old enough to legally purchase a beer, Bud Light, presumably. And yet he had been taking drugs for, for nearly a decade at that point and be getting one gender transition surgery after another uh, for the past three years before that. Jazz's mother was there every step of the way, of course, helping him along. And that, quote, help would often take on a very aggressive and horrendously disturbing form. So listen to this clip from the reality show uh, just a few years ago, shortly after Jazz got, I think this was his first surgery, uh, and here's his mother. But with her, I'm worried about, like, her mental well-being and her dilation. The minute she leaves my house, we have a dilation problem. That is a concern. When you don't have that watchful eye, they tend to go back to old patterns. I have woken Jazz out of a dead sleep and taken the dilator and put the lubrication on it and said, here, you take this and you put it in your vagina. If not, I will. But Jazz is bad, even when I'm home once a day. I will be so mad if she goes away to college and that thing seals up. I will wring her neck. Can you imagine? Can we imagine? No, we can't. Uh, we cannot imagine any of this. Yeah, it's happening. Yes, that is the the mother of Jazz Jennings talking about how he forcibly, um, how she forcibly dilates her son's fake neo vagina in the middle of the night. You know, normal mom stuff. And this never ending process of dilation and lubrication is necessary to prevent the uh, quote unquote vagina from closing up because it's not a vagina; it is an open wound, which is carved into the place where the male genitalia used to be. This is what was done to Jazz Jennings at the age of 17. He was butchered, turned into a lifelong medical patient in pursuit of something that he can never attain, searching for a female identity that will always be out of reach. And this explains why, most recently, uh, Jazz was on camera on the, the reality show expressing deep and profound despair and telling his mother that he, quote-unquote, doesn't feel like himself. Listen. So, um... Are you feeling like you wanted to start talking about? Are you okay? I'm okay. I'm like I'm gonna cry. But you, you know I can't get out of my head. I know. No, listen. <laughs> it I just know. doesn't stop. It's okay. Give me a hug. It's okay. I know what you're going through. We've been there before. No, it still doesn't stop now. And I'm already going well, back to you, negative. But the more you're talking about yourself, it gets harder. Mm -hmm. You're digging in, and you're. It's making you put a magnifying glass on what's already difficult as it is. So this is hard for you, I know, and you don't, we don't want to push and you I know, anymore. I'm the one doing it, like. I know, you're your own worst enemy. I feel kind of all over the place and like my mind is very cluttered and not clear. And I really want to have that clarity. I really want to understand myself and be able to read my own soul and what I want. And it's just very challenging. And I think I'm kind of breaking down a little bit and spiraling into negativity. I just want to feel like myself. Like, that's right. it. I don't like care. All I want is to be happy and feel like me, and I don't feel like what me ever. Me? I know what you're going through, she says. Oh, really? Do you? D did your mom take you to Dr. Frankenstein to be genitally butchered as well? Did, so you know what that's like? Of course, this is terrible to watch, unfathomably sad, and I feel nothing but sympathy and compassion for Jazz Jennings. He, he was subjected to a lifelong brainwashing campaign, which began practically from birth, 
and which led to permanent physical changes in his body long before he could have possibly had any chance to realize what was being done to him. He is a, he is a, a victim, though like many abuse victims, he is at, at, at this point in his life not able to see it, not able to see the fact that he's an abuse victim, or at least not able to accept it. That's what came through yesterday when Jazz published a video on his own YouTube channel responding to a number of conservative commentators, including myself. Uh, Jazz reacts to a segment of this show from a few weeks ago where I am myself responding to that clip we just watched of Jazz expressing despair and apparent regret. And uh, in his response, he says that I've misconstrued it, and he insists that the surgery brought him happiness and joy. And then we get to this part. Listen. So now let's go to this, this same person Okay. I'm not even going to name him, and this is what he says later in the interview. This is the person, everyone, who said, Jazz is so unhappy, and it's because of this, is what he says. Uh, you ready? Mm-hmm, let's watch. And I want you to respond to this, and maybe whatever you want to say to this. Okay. You ready? Mm-hmm. Mother brainwashed this kid into doing this, and now she's going to keep that brainwash going. Brainwash. So he may never fully come to terms with what happened to him. At least as long as his disgusting wretch of a mother is still alive. It's just really hard to watch that. I don't know why people, like, are so intent on bringing our community down. Like, why do you care? Let us just be. Let us be happy. Let us be ourselves. We're not hurting anyone. You know, we need to celebrate each other and our diversity, not bring each other down. And anytime you're wishing death on anyone, I think you need to take a step back and look at yourself and your you know, whatever's going on with you. My mom is not the abuser. People like him are the ones abusing us by saying these awful negative things about our community. You know, we are under attack. And it is clear in this video that there are people out there who want to hurt us, who want to see us fail, who want to see us be miserable. And that's really fucked up because we're not wishing that upon anyone. We just want people to open their eyes and see that we are beautiful. Everyone is beautiful and everyone deserves to be their authentic self. Our messages are about love, about positivity, and just to see someone like this saying such negative things, it's, you know, it's hurtful, it sucks. My whole life I have faced bullying, I have faced people, you know, attacking me and my identity, and I just wish people would let me be, you know, why do you, oh, it's so frustrating. Now, um... I was going to respond to this just sort of in general terms, but I think instead I'd like to be more direct. Jazz has addressed me directly, asked some questions, and I'd like to answer them. So, uh, Jazz, first of all, I understand why you're frustrated that people are talking about you and from your perspective, involving themselves in your private life. Um, you are absolutely right that your conversation with your mother that we saw there about your own deep emotional and psychological pains should not have been a public spectacle. I never should have seen that or heard it. Nobody should have. But I didn't make it a public spectacle. And I didn't make you into a public figure. Your mom did that. She, she did it way before you could have possibly chosen this, chosen any of this for yourself. She had you on 2020 and starring in Oprah Winfrey specials when you were a young child. She had a camera in front of your face. She was parading you around as a mascot for transgenderism. At an age when, you know, when I was that age, I was, I was spending my time watching cartoons and playing outside in the woods. And I wish that you had a childhood like that. You deserved to have that kind of childhood. But your, your mom took that away from you. She was more interested in monetizing you, using you as a vehicle to promote her ideology. And it's proven to be 
an effective vehicle, which is why I have to respond. You want to be left alone. I get that. I wish that you were left alone way back when you were a child, left to simply be a child. That's the life you should have had. You, you had a right to it. And it was taken from you by the adults in your life, especially your mom. And I'm sorry that it was taken from you. I truly am. Listen, even if it was, even if it was somehow true that you really are a female, you need to go through this necessary process of becoming your true self through the surgeries and everything else, which it isn't true at all. It just simply isn't. But that still would not justify your mom's decision to turn you into a public figure as a child, a symbol for a cause from such a young age. Even if we accept the logic behind transitioning children, which again, I do not accept and never would, it still would be unforgivable for a parent to make it into a public exhibition, which is what your parents did. Now, you also accuse me of wanting to hurt you and make you miserable. I don't. I'm not out to hurt you. I, I, see, I see that you are hurt. You said it yourself. You don't feel like yourself. And you don't feel like yourself because you have been led since childhood down a path of self-rejection. You say that everyone deserves to be their authentic self. I could not possibly agree more. Deserve is an apt choice of words, in fact, in this case. Uh, every child deserves to be shown the way towards truth and, and their own true selves. Every child deserves to grow up in the light, surrounded by adults who are sources of, of clarity and guidance for them. You didn't have that, and you still don't. And that's not fair. You have been fed lies, one lie after another, and they are the worst kinds of lies. They are lies that deprive you of the recognition of your true self. This is the deepest form of abuse. I can't imagine what it does to a person to live with it every day since the earliest moments of childhood. Nobody in your life will tell you the truth. Nobody in your life has ever told you the truth. They have never been honest with you about anything, ever. They all are incentivized to keep up the deception. Well, I have no incentive other than my own love of the truth and my concern for you as a person and my concern for everyone else in your same situation. I don't stand to gain anything when I tell you this, but I'll tell you anyway. You are a man. It's who you are. There's nothing wrong with who you are, with who you actually are. Your maleness was never a problem that needed to be fixed. The adults in your life told you that you were sick. They diagnosed you and they labeled you and they defined you by those labels. They introduced horrific confusion into your life and then they profited off of that confusion. They exploited you. All of them did. The doctors, your parents, the activist groups, the media, the TV networks, they all swarmed around you like vultures taking pieces of you. And now those same people, they want you to live a lie for the rest of your life because if you don't, if you don't, it will embarrass and potentially impoverish them. Well, if we're talking about what people deserve, they deserve that. You deserve the truth. And I'm telling it to you even if it hurts to hear. Still, you need to hear it at least once in your life. Now let's get to our five headlines. Oh. 
Companies are strong-arming their customers to support abortion, canceling customers for their political views, and making a mockery of women by supporting transgender models. No government agency, institution, or company is allowed to just be what it is and focus on fulfilling the tasks that it was made to fulfill. A beer company can't just make beer anymore. Their primary concern is not with brewing and distributing beer, but with showing their support of the left's political and cultural agenda. But Public Square offers a new solution. Public Square is an app, and it's a website as well, where you can get connected to tens of thousands of businesses from all different industries that share your value for life, family, and freedom. Public Square also offers discounts to many high-quality businesses on the platform, so you can actually have an incentive to spend money with companies that don't hate you. Whether you're looking for new athletic clothing that uh, knows what a woman is, a banking partner that you count on, simply a new restaurant in your area that won't lecture you about your political views as you're trying to enjoy a meal with your family, head over to publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com. Public Square is free to join as a consumer or a business owner. You can get started at publicsq.com or download their app today. That's publicsq.com. Let's start with uh, something fun, something we all always enjoy. Kamala Harris giving a speech and, as always, for whatever reason, attempting to inflate the word count. Nobody can figure out why she feels the need to always do this, but she does. And uh, here's how it came out this time. I think it's very important, as you have heard from so many incredible leaders, for us at every moment in time, and certainly this one, to see the moment in time in which we exist and are present. And to be able to contextualize it, to understand where we exist in the history and in the moment as it relates not only to the past, but the future. It is so important at every moment in time and at each individual moment in time, certainly this moment in time, but also the next moment in time. And even the moment in time after the next moment in time, which precedes the moment in time after that. And through all these moments, moment after moment after moment, time after time, if you're lost, you can look and you will find me moment by moment through all the moments. You know what? I just figured out. I figured out. I, I just, as I'm uh, babbling like Kamala Harris, I realized I figured out Kamala Harris in every speech she is Ben Stiller saying grace in Meet the Parents. That every speech is like watching that scene where Ben Stiller is put on the spot and has to say, try to figure out how to say grace. It's like every speech she does, but it doesn't make sense because, you know, he was put on the spot. She's not being put on the spot. These are, right, it's, it's, it's not like she's um, five wines deep at the wedding and now she has to give a toast and she didn't prepare anything and so she's rambling. These are pre-planned official speeches, right? And if you're a politician, if you're the, really, if you're the vice president, you're, you have served no function other than to show up to stuff like this and give dumb speeches. That's all you do. And so I always assumed anyway that don't they have people on staff that they write these things for you? And they tell you, oh, you're giving a speech here for what's that for? Oh, for this whatever stupid thing. And then they hand you the paper and you read it or you put it up on the prompter. That's what I can't figure out. Do they really send her out there to, to riff for all these events? Or maybe they are writing this. You know, that could be the twist ending, that all this stuff, we're making fun of Kamala Harris. Maybe she's reading all of this directly from Project. It could be more like, rather than meet the parents, more, maybe it's more like the scene in Idiocracy where the president, you know, starts the uh, State of the Union address and he's like, I know it's real bad right now. And then you look and you see the prompter and it says that on the prompter. So it could be that, 
You know, this could be um, an ongoing act of sabotage against Kamala Harris by her speechwriting team. I don't know what it is, but the end result is that it's uh, very funny, at least. All right, this is from the Daily Wire. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez celebrated Fox News' firing of former host Tucker Carlson on Monday, saying that deplatforming works and that good things can happen. Ocasio-Cortez's remarks came after she claimed over the weekend that Carlson was responsible for incitement of violence and that lawmakers needed to be open to explore through law ways to regulate news content on networks like Fox News. So this is very fortuitous timing for her. It makes her feel very good because, yeah, in fact, just a couple of days before um, Tucker Carlson was fired, she was out. In fact, in fact, the day before it was announced that he was fired, uh, she was on the news saying that he needs to be deplatformed. And then what do you know what happens? Um, let's start by watching this from AOC. Tucker Carlson is out at Fox News. Couldn't have happened to a better guy. Um, what I will say, though, is while I'm very glad that the person that is arguably responsible for the some of the largest driving some of the most uh, amounts of death threats and violent threats, not just to my office, but to plenty of people across the country. Um, I also kind of feel like I'm like waiting for the cutscene at the end of a Marvel movie after all the credits have rolled. And then you see like the villains like hand reemerge out to grip, grip over like the end of a building or something. But deplatforming works and it is important. And um, there you go. Good things can happen. Deplatforming works, she says. And um, that's, it, that's sort of true. You know, it also, it also very often backfires against them. You know, in fact, uh, speaking of which, there, as we know, there's been this effort to deplatform me on YouTube and everything else. Well, uh, I posted this to Twitter yesterday, but after all of that, uh, my podcast is ranked top five on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify in our category, um, in large part in response to all these deplatforming efforts. So she says it works, but that's often the end result. Uh, as long as, right, as long as when, when, you're, when they're doing this cancellation campaign against you, as long as you refuse to apologize and you stay on message, okay, as the target of the cancellation, as long as you do that, you could come out on the other end having a larger platform and more influence than you had before. And I have no doubt that that will happen with Tucker Carlson. You know, Tucker Carlson is going to be the, I believe, trying to peer into the future through my crystal ball. I, I, I believe this, Tucker Carlson is going to be the, the prime example, the number one example of uh, how deplatforming ultimately backfires on these people. Because he's going to go somewhere else, he's going to do something else, and he's going to have more influence than he's ever had before. I think that's what's going to end up happening. But in the short term, yeah, it does, it does work in the sense that you, you don't, somebody's on a platform and they're saying things and they're able to reach an audience. And we know on the left, they cannot engage with any of it. They can't argue against any of it. They, they have no rebuttals to offer whatsoever. So all they can do is just forcibly stop you from talking, at least on that platform. And then you go over to another one and they follow you there and they try to get rid of that. That's all they can do. 
So she feels like she got a big win here, which that alone, it, it is unforgivable and disgraceful by Fox News that they would give this kind of, at least in the short term, this seeming apparent win to the left, re- rewarding their deplatforming efforts. A, a day after AOC is talking about how it needs to be censored by the government, Tucker Carlson should have been on air, and it probably would have been on Monday, responding to that. And it said Fox News cans him. So this was, this was a disgraceful move by Fox for a lot of reasons. But let's just start with that. You are rewarding uh, your own enemies, who it turns out are not really your enemies because you're on the same side in so many ways. But the question still remains about why this termination happened. And there have been many reports about how it was related to lawsuits and so on. And, you know, I, I told you yesterday, I don't buy that. I just don't buy it. I have no inside information. I have no insight. I have no sources that I'm talking to. All I have is my own BS meter that I that is, is usually pretty well honed. And, uh, and I don't buy it. I don't buy it anything to do with lawsuits. I told you yesterday that to me, this is simply, this happened because, because of who Tucker is and what he says and the stands that he takes. Um, the fact that he's actually an effective right-wing figure and advocate that's why he's not welcome at Fox, and that's why they got rid of him. And now there's a new report from Vanity Fair, which seems to confirm this. So this is Vanity Fair. It says, 24 hours after Fox News ousted its high-rated, highest-rated host, the network has yet to explain one of the most shocking uh, defenestrations in cable news history. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going beyond the release of Fox News spokeswoman uh, texted yesterday when I asked her for comment. In this information, void multiple theories about why Fox fired Carlson circulated in the media. It was fallout from the Dominion settlement. It was punishment for vulgar text messages published in Dominion court filings. It was a consequence of former Fox producer Abby Grossberg's lawsuit, which we'll talk more about that in a minute, uh, which alleged Carlson oversaw a hostile work environment. Uh, But none of these potential reasons fully add up. Fox News anchor Maria uh, Bartomeu, Bartiromo hyped Dominion conspiracies far more than Carlson did, and yet she remains in, on the air. Fox had access to Carlson's texts and emails and Dominion lawsuit for months, and they didn't punish him, so on and so forth. So that's re- why all that doesn't line up. Mystery remains, why did Fox News take its biggest star off the air? A new theory has emerged. According to the source, Fox Corporation uh, Chair Rupert Murdoch removed Carlson over remarks that Carlson made during a speech at the Heritage Foundation's 50th anniversary gala on Friday night. Carlson laced his speech with religious overtones that even Murdoch found too extreme, according to the source, who was briefed on Murdoch's decision-making. Carlson told the Heritage audience that national politics has become a battle between good and evil. Carlson said that people advocating for transgender rights and DEI programs want to destroy America and they could not be persuaded with facts. Quote, we should say that and stop engaging with these totally fraudulent debates. I've tried. That doesn't work. The answer, Carlson suggested, was prayer. I've concluded that it might be worth taking just 10 minutes out of your busy schedule to say a prayer for the future, and I hope you will. That's what he said in the speech. It's a great speech, by the way. Um, and everything that he says in the speech is 100% accurate. This is, in fact, uh, a battle of good versus evil. Um, this has gone w- well beyond any sort of debate over the facts because we we are debating with people who don't care about the facts. They, it's not just that they don't care about the facts. They they reject the concept of facts. They reject, in principle, the very idea that there can be a fact. Okay, these are relativists. Everything is, all truth is relative. 
We all get our own truth, right? We all have, we all live in our own universe. We have our own truth and we get to set the rules for our own universe according to our, our own, you know, emotional and narcissistic whims. That's what they believe. That's what all this is about. And it is a spiritual battle versus good, of good versus evil. Tucker Carlson's 100% correct about that. And according to this report, that's a big reason why he got canned. Um, quote, that stuff freaks Rupert out. He doesn't like all the spiritual talk, the source said. Rupert Murdoch was perhaps unnerved by Carlson's uh, uh, messianism because it echoed the end times worldview of Murdoch's ex-fiance, Anne Leslie Smith, the source said, in uh, a May cover story of uh, Vanity Fair. Uh, Murdoch and Smith called off their two-week engagement because Smith had told people that Carlson was a messenger from God. Uh, Murdoch had seen Carlson and Smith discuss religion firsthand, and so apparently they were at a dinner uh, back in March, and uh, uh, Rupert Murdoch's then-fiancé, his would have been going on wife number five, I think, was having this conversation with Tucker Carlson where Rupert Murdoch was there, and they were talking about all these things, about how this is a spiritual battle, good versus evil. Rupert Murdoch was there. He didn't like that. Uh, shortly after that, he dumps the fiance, and then shortly after that, he gets rid of Tucker Carlson. That's the report anyway. This makes a lot more sense. I mean, it doesn't make sense to fire him for it, but it makes sense that Fox would. Uh, makes more sense than anything tied to this Abby Grossberg lawsuit, which you know it, it, other media outlets are still claiming is one of the central reasons why he got fired. So Yahoo has this. Grossberg, formerly a senior booking producer for Fox News, um, began working as the head of booking for Tucker Carlson tonight last year. She was fired by Fox News last month after filing suit against the company, claiming that she was bullied and subjected to sexist and anti-Semitic comments while working on Carlson's show. There are other reports, by the way, that uh, she never actually met Tucker Carlson. So she was never in the same room as him, according to some reports. But in a separate lawsuit filed in Delaware, Grossberg claimed that she was coerced by the company's lawyers to give misleading answers to her deposition in the Dominion case. In the 79-page lawsuit filed in the Southern District of New York, Grossberg said that she was startled by the behavior of male colleagues when she showed up for her first day of work on Carlson's show in September. According to Grossberg, she arrived at the office to see many large and blown-up photographs of Nancy Pelosi in a plunging bath bathing suit revealing her cleavage. Uh, I think we have, uh, she also was doing the rounds on MSNBC, of course, and other media outlets talking about all her horrible experiences working for Tucker Carlson. And we have the clip of her talking about this uh, traumatic encounter with Nancy Pelosi pictures. Let's watch that. I was hoping that it would be more professional and what he was portraying on air was just a show. And unfortunately, that wasn't the case. So when do you realize that? Immediately. I show up first day of work and I know that this is a popular one. It's been widely publicized. There are literally pictures like this big of Nancy Pelosi in a bathing suit in Europe plastered all over. Um, there was even one on my computer screen for the temporary computer I had to use, and I had to take it down just to work. Um, within a few days there, I was called into Justin Wells' office with Alex McCaskill, who was a senior producer as well, and asked if Maria was having an affair with Kevin McCarthy. It was just, I, I was shocked. I couldn't even believe it. I was floored. <laughs> uh, that's, that's pretty funny. Look, you know what, Abby, you're the one body shaming Nancy Pelosi. So what? Maybe they're maybe they they think that Nancy Pelosi is a beautiful woman and uh and 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 that's all. It's it yeah, this is your assumption. So you have decided to interpret that in a negative way. 
Shame on you. Can you imagine if Abby Grossberg came to work for the Daily Wire and she uh, encountered our, uh, our, our five-foot-tall you know, cigar store Indian of, uh, of uh, Elizabeth Warren? How would she, I mean, she would break down in tears immediately upon encountering that. Uh, she also, she says that uh, staff members frequently engaged in group discussion in which misogynistic views of women as objects to be judged solely based on their appearance were broadcasted. In these discussions, no woman, whether she was a Republican politician or a female staffer at Fox News, was safe from suddenly becoming the target of sexist, demeaning comments. In one instance cited by the paper, the lawsuit recalled a crass and sexist discussion in the newsroom before the Republican gubernatorial candidate uh, in Michigan, Tudor Dixon, was scheduled to appear as a guest on Carlson Show. Before Dixon arrived, staffers discussed whether Miss Dixon or her opponent, Gretchen Whitmer, was hotter. That's an interesting question, and that's a debate many of us have had. Um, I think ultimately, uh, Tudor Dixon's going to be the more attractive one. Um, Gretchen Whitmer, you know, in my opinion, the fact that she's so evil, it's just you, you can't quite, maybe it's not fair to to deduct points based on that in a discussion of this sort. But the fact that she is so despicably, horrifically evil, I think it does exude out of her and it actually affects her physically as well. But a very interesting conversation um, that apparently traumatized poor uh, Abby Grossberg. Um, and then, uh, okay, in another instance, McCaskill allegedly referred to uh, a room in the office where Fox News employees could pump breast milk as a waste of space. Someone who worked for Fox said that the room for pumping breast milk was a waste of space and suggested it should be converted into a room of tanning beds for the guys to tan their testicles. Um, you know, if that was actually said, Abby, that's what's known as, uh, we actually have a word for that. It's called a joke. So that's a, someone was making a joke is what they were doing, if that was even said at all. But she also accuses uh, the Tucker team of, of saying and doing a lot of things that, uh, that don't pass the smell test at all. So let's, let's watch one more clip here. When I got to Tucker, it was different. And as a text that came out revealed my suspicions, um, he was looking for ratings bait purely uh, and was also looking for power. It was a combination of ratings and power and manipulating the audience. Um, and manipulating also the political system, there was an aspect of, I can pick who the House Speaker is. I can pick who the President of the United States is or who the Republican candidate's going to be. And I thought that was really dangerous and didn't want that kind of power. I didn't want to have um, Senate candidates calling me and being very upset. Are you going to destroy our whole campaign tonight? Because he could do that. And he would call and tell them that, that if you don't participate or you don't come on the show, we will destroy you. And I was told to tell that to congressmen sometimes. And I didn't. How can I? That was disrespectful. So in addition to the misogyny and the sexism and the anti-Semitism, there was also just this sort of moral growth with me where I reached a breaking point because of all of those things. And I literally did not want to do it anymore. It felt disgusting. I stopped watching news when I came home. I didn't watch anything. I just didn't want to because I was so depressed and disillusioned by the entire media system because of Tucker Carlson. Oh, my moral growth. You know, the only, look, the only mistake that uh, the Tucker team made, and it's not like this is Tucker Carlson himself. He doesn't, he's not overseeing every aspect. That's not the way it works. 
But, you know, the only mistake, obviously, is hiring this woman. But, of course, it's just, it's not always easy to sniff these kinds of people out. Uh, the kind of person who's going to see, you know, a joking picture of Nancy Pelosi, if it's even true that the picture is a person. But see a picture like that and be offended? Just get over yourself. My God, how do you function in life? Oh, it's her moral, it's my moral growth. It's my moral growth, right? My moral growth was that I could work there. And, and take the paychecks in, then I get fired, and only then do, do, I, do I turn, you know, I, I get fired, and then I turn around and try to uh, profit to the tune of however many millions she's suing for. That's all part of the moral growth. Suing for millions because you were offended by alleged jokes, right, that's a sign of moral growth. I will say, though, that I am, um, there is one revelation from this that, I, that really disappoints me. Uh, as much of a fan of Tucker Carlson as I am, you know, when she said that Tucker Carlson was interested in ratings, good Lord, I, I, I'm, I am so disappointed I, that he wanted to get ratings for his show. That is unacceptable. And surely Tucker Carlson, the only figure in all of media that's concerned about ratings, Everywhere, it doesn't come up, you know, and I've worked in media. I can tell you right now, I've never even encountered a conversation like this. No one talks about it. Performance, ratings, you know, downloads, advertising dollars. We never discuss it. In fact, if I'm in a, if it even, on occasion, someone's about to maybe, I'm in a meeting, someone broaches the conversation. Well, let's look at the numbers. Nope, we're not talking about this. Doesn't matter. How dare you? Get out of the room. I say to Jeremy Boring. That's what happens in, in, so Tucker Carlson, the only figure in all of media who cares about ratings. And so that is a scandal, but all the rest of it, not so much. Um, and the claim that she, as a, like a booking producer, was told to call up congressmen and say, come on the show or we'll destroy you. Uh, that also didn't happen. That's, that's not the way it works. And this is why, listen, I don't know the percentages. But it is my suspicion that the vast majority of, um, of hostile work environment claims are really, com- they, they, are, they are used as cover by losers who couldn't hack it. That's most of it. Because if something illegal or actually unethical happened, then say what it was. Just name it. You know, Give actual examples of that. But when we get these kind of broad, oh, it's a hostile work environment. Um, no, you're just a loser and you couldn't hack it. You couldn't do it. It's a high pressure environment. You know, you're working with a lot of, uh, you're working with a lot of high performance people and there's a lot of egos around. That's just the way it is in the media business. It's the way, it's the way, that's what it is in, at high levels in any industry. That's how it is. Um, and, uh, and she couldn't deal with it. She couldn't do it. She couldn't keep up with the pressure. And so, she washed out. And now she's filing a lawsuit. That is my, that is my interpretation. That is my uh, theory, personally, about this. All right, maybe we have time for one or two other things. Uh, Kevin Bacon has come to the defense of drag queens who perform for kids. Uh, let's watch that. Drag is an art, and drag is a right. Drag is a centuries-old art form of creativity, expression, and self-exploration. It's an opportunity to educate through entertainment, and it's not dangerous. At Six Degrees, 
We believe in amplifying the voices of those that are experiencing injustice. So join us in supporting the ACLU Drag Defense Fund by shopping our bonfire campaign or making a gift. Designed by the amazing Mason Kay, Kira and I are honored to support this important fund and we welcome you to do the same. Drag is a gift, he says. Drag is a, um, is a blessing. Sounds a lot like David French. He's almost exactly quoting David French in saying some of this. Uh, the quote-unquote conservative David French. Um, this is one of the reasons why, I, you know, I, I think this this fight against the sexualization of children, especially as it comes in the form of, you know, drag events for children, this is why it's so important. I mean, it's important, number one, because it's an evil thing that we need to stop for the sake of the kids who are being victimized by it. So that's the most important thing. But also, even from... Um, kind of political perspective. Um, I'm, I'm more than happy for the Democrats to go into 2024 uh, making this part of their platform. And the more high-profile Democrats and liberals who come out strongly in defense of not just drag, but specifically drag queens performing in front of children. I, we know that they, that they are in favor of it. We know they're in favor of the sexualization of children. We know that's happening. And since it's happening and since they're in favor of it, I think it's good for them to say it out loud and to, and to kind of wear this um, position with pride. March under the banner so everybody can see it and make their decisions accordingly as we go into uh, election season and beyond. Because if you're, look, if you're a dyed-in-the-wool leftist, then you're brainwashed into this too. You're, you're in favor of the sexualization of children. It's part of your whole, it's part of your whole ideology. But anybody who's not, you know, you don't have to be a far-right extremist like myself. If you're just not that, if you're not a dyed-in-the-wool far-left leftist, then you, you, know, you just need to ask yourself, do you, do you really believe this? Is, it, is this what you believe? Do you, do you believe that not only is it okay for drag queens to perform sexually in front of children, but that they have a right to? Do you believe that grown men have the God-given natural right to cross-dress and perform sexually in front of children. That's what we're hearing from everybody on the left, Democrats, celebrities. You just need to decide if that makes any sense to you. And if you have any kind of uh, soul left and any brain in your, in your head, then the answer to that obviously will be no. Let's get to the comment section. Who makes a Twitter mob fly off the handle with rage? Who's to blame? The first step in uh, growing up and being a real man is getting off of your parents' phone plan. Getting your own cell phone plan gives you a sense of independence and responsibility. It's a step towards becoming more self-sufficient. By paying for your own finances, you learn how to budget, how to manage your money, how to be an adult in general. There are a ton of cell phone providers out there. Most of them want to lock you into horrific contracts. They'll tack on hidden fees at any chance they get. That's why I'm a huge fan of Pure Talk. There are no contracts, no hassles, and you can cancel at any time. Pure Talk uses the same nationwide networks as major carriers, so you'll get the same reliable coverage that you're used to. They offer a range of cell phone plans that best fit your needs and budget. You get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just $30 a month. Switching over to Pure Talk is so easy. You can make sure you can make the switch, keep your cell phone, and keep your phone number. With their U.S. customer service team, you can make the switch in as little as 10 minutes. Pure Talk is so sure that you're going to love their service. They're backing it up with a 100% money-back guarantee. 
so you know they're confident in what they're selling. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Walsh to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Walsh. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Sean says, the only reason why millions of people even watched Fox News in the first place is because of Tucker Carlson. He'll be hugely successful wherever he goes. Well, you know, I obviously agree with you on that. I think the bet that Fox News is making is that this will be kind of a Bill O'Reilly situation. Now, you remember that, uh, and it can be easy to forget, maybe that's part of the point that Fox, you know, for Fox News is part of their point that it's so easy to forget this, but for years, Bill O'Reilly was the biggest star in uh, not just Fox News, but in all of cable news. And um, he was also kind of, he was no Tucker Carlson, don't get me wrong, but he was the biggest star at, in cable news at the time, um, driving conversation as well. And then they, they canned him and, you know, he's still out there doing his thing, but he's not that anymore. Um, his audience didn't really follow him to his next endeavor. And, and because for, in that case, the time slot, Fox News itself and the whole structure they have in place and the time slot is what made Bill O'Reilly a star. And then they discard him and they put somebody else in and they say, we'll make them a star. And their bet is that it's going to be the same thing here. That uh, Tucker Carlson wasn't really the star. It's Fox News in the 8 o'clock time slot, Eastern time. That's the star. And we take him out and his audience will go away. That's their bet. I think that um, although that has proven to be the case sometimes, I think it's a bad bet with Tucker Carlson. I think he's just a, he's a different sort of media figure. It's a different kind of media landscape even than it was back, uh, even though it wasn't all that long ago when, when Bill O'Reilly was given the boot. It's a different media landscape. And uh, so I think, it's, I think it's a bad bet. And I think that um, Fox News is going to take a ratings hit that will not recover quickly and that Tucker's audience will go with him wherever he goes. Uh, will says, I was thinking when I was reading those accusations against Don Lemon, man, I hope Matt doesn't pounce on this because this is really weak and he handled it beautifully, LOL. Well, if you even thought, you thought I would read some of those examples of Don Lemon's uh, supposed sexism and that I would jump on that bandwagon and pretend that it was offensive. What was one of them? He said that uh, he said one of the a woman that was on the air with him, he said, you have mommy brain. And this is supposed to be an example of oh, misogyny. Come on, Will. Did, was there any thought in your head that I would read that and say, well, that's terrible. That's well, that he need to be fired for that. Mommy brain. That's unthinkably sexist. Now, come on. Um, nothing wrong with saying that Don Lemon, again, it's not, it's not even a defense of Don Lemon, but it's just a statement of fact. He's not a sexist. He doesn't hate women. He just, he probably hates everybody because he's a narcissist, only cares about himself, like so many other people in media. And, uh, and he disregards and hates everybody else, especially anyone who he perceives to be a, a threat to him, anyone who he thinks is more talented than him, than him, or getting better ratings than him. And his ratings were always really bad. So that, you know, it means he's just... That's, that's why he hates you. Man, woman, doesn't matter. However, he certainly deserved to be fired uh, just based on the fact that he was untalented and doing a terrible job. Uh, Mr. Public says, I canceled my Fox Nation subscription. I made sure to tell them that it was due to the way they treated Tucker going out the door. Bud Light moment. This, it, it, and this is very, and I thought about this as well, this is really interesting move on the heels of Bud Light and as we know, when everything happened with Bud Light, there were many people, including on the right, who said that, look, Bud Light's too big. It's just, it, it, we can say that we're going to boycott it. It's not going to make a dent. Um, and that did not prove to be the case. 
And I think there's also an assumption that Fox News is because it's it's also a powerful brand and it's just kind of like by default. You know, there are many um, middle America sort of conservative people that by default, they would just go for the Bud Light. Just, just like by default, they go for Fox News. Um, that didn't save Bud Light. And I don't think it's going to save Fox News either. And Enigma says, there's nothing more annoying than someone yelling on the phone out in public, but it's even worse when the person they're yakking at is on speaker. Yeah, I, I, why would you even want, I'll, I will never understand it. It's one of the, one of the mysteries of life for me is why, why would you even want to speak to somebody on speaker out in public in the first place? And, you know, it's, it's very rude to everybody around you because you're forcing them to listen to this conversation. It's also rude for the person who's on speaker because they, they probably don't know because here's the other thing. When, I, when I'm around someone and they're speaking to somebody on the speakerphone, I never hear that person tell the person on the phone, oh, hey, by the way, you're in public right now. There's 50 people standing around. You're on speaker. Everyone can hear you. Continue. You never hear that warning being given. So just don't do it. And uh, like I said, in many of these cases, you really don't need to be using your phone at all. While it is tempting, certainly, to blame postmodernism for ushering in a prevailing sense of nihilism, the truth is this was an issue going all the way back to biblical times. No one likes a complainer, no matter what century you live in. You just drag everybody down, and the consequences of that are just as dire today. This is what Dr. Stephen Blackwood points out in the 16th episode of Exodus with Jordan Peterson. Check it out. The vision of God is a necessary condition of the flourishing of society. Mm -hmm. And without that vision, a people perishes. Well, there, there, there's, there's, there's technical reasons for that, I would say, that we know biologically now, too, is that almost all enthusiasm, and so that is to be filled with the Spirit of God, that's positive emotion. And all positive emotion of the, of the most intense sort, I don't mean satiation and satisfaction, I mean hope and enthusiasm that moves you forward, is tied to a vision because all positive emotion signals movement towards a valued goal. In addition to Stephen Blackwood, uh, Jordan Peterson is joined by a roundtable of impressive minds who have gathered to discuss one of the most seminal books in the Bible. We are heading into the conclusion of Exodus, which is exclusively for Daily Wire Plus members. If you haven't seen it yet, start at the beginning because it's well worth your time. Trust me. Join now at dailywire.com slash subscribe to watch Exodus. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. Mother's Day is just around the corner, which means that it's time for some woke virtue signaling from corporate America. Every holiday is an occasion for woke virtue signaling. Of course, every day in general is an occasion. But Mother's Day presents a unique opportunity. And this year, the virtue signaling is taking on a perhaps slightly unexpected form. The Daily Wire reports, quote, major corporations and businesses are sending out emails offering a chance to opt out of Mother's Day related communications. In a viral thread posted Sunday, Twitter account Arizona Informer posted more than a dozen screenshots from businesses sending Mother's Day opt-out offers, noting the similar language used in the emails and equating the trend with anti-family activism. Arizona Informer uh, captioned, something very strange is happening with big corporations. Out of nowhere, Kroger-owned Fry's Food Store, K Jewelers, Hallmark, and now DoorDash have all sent opt-out of Mother's Day emails to their customer base. This is not organic, the account charged. This reeks of anti-family activism. We understand that Mother's Day might, may be a difficult time for some, a message from DoorDash said, adding an option to be removed from additional emails and push notifications relating to the holiday. A message from Kay Jewelers said, we know Mother's Day can be a challenging time, which is why we want to know if you'd rather, rather not receive Mother's Day-related emails. 
Quote, with Mother's Day coming up, we understand this can be a difficult time of year for some. Um, read a similar email from Nespresso. If you would like to opt out of Mother's Day emails, you can simply click below. Levi's, Ancestry, Mac Cosmetics, uh, Stitch Fix, Bye Bye Baby, Etsy, uh, and others were some of the other companies included in the thread. The list is even longer than this, by the way. Seemingly all at once, you know, major companies across the spectrum have jumped on the Mother's Day opt-out train. And this, this is one of the one of the hallmarks of wokeism, is that you know, the, the new form of virtue signaling pops up out of nowhere, and in the blink of an eye, everyone is expected to embrace it, even if they have no idea why they're embracing it. You see, all these corporations that are sending out emails, you can opt out of Mother's Day. Do they even all know why they're doing this? They just saw everyone else doing it. They say, oh yeah, we got to get one of those out. In the corporate world especially, the new virtue signal spreads like wildfire at each company, and uh, you know, they all quickly adopt it for fear that being the last to adopt it might hurt their ESG score. But don't get too excited. This uh, opt-out trend is, I think, rather limited. It is, it is, it is um, not an option that will be offered for other occasions. We can be fairly certain that DoorDash isn't going to be offering the chance to opt out of Pride Month promotions or you know, Black History Month spam. It's very unlikely that Levi's or Etsy will send an email that says, we know Pride Month can be an extremely annoying time for you, which is why we want to know if you'd rather not receive Pride Month-related emails. Now, this is something that will only be applied to Mother's Day. It probably won't even extend to Father's Day as well, simply because Father's Day is already mostly ignored. You know, we've kind of opted out of that as a society in general. Mother's Day is the holiday that traditionally gets all the press with a great emphasis on making sure that you shower your mother with gifts and attention and appreciation. Father's Day, on the other hand, is a time to throw a, a gift bag with a new pair of socks at your dad and say, hey, happy Father's Day or whatever, and then move on with your day, which I can say as a dad, is how we prefer it, so I'm not complaining. The point is that the opt-out trend will be limited in scope, I think. So why are the corporations doing this? And why all of a sudden, all at once? The working theory among conservatives is that, as we mentioned, it's rooted in this kind of woke, anti-family ideology. The assumption is that it has something to do with the left's doctrines on gender and sexuality. Uh, Mother's Day presents a problem for these doctrines because motherhood presents a problem. And that's why companies are slowly, or not so slowly, backing away from it. But I actually don't think that that's the motivating factor here. Mostly because the left doesn't believe that motherhood presents any problem for them on this front. It does, but they don't think that. The gender ideologue doesn't want to abolish Mother's Day, uh, but rather appropriate it. Which ultimately will have the same effect as abolishing it, of course. We simply arrive at that destination from a different direction. But... So I don't think that's the reason. That doesn't mean that the Mother's Day opt-out trend isn't woke. It certainly is, just for different reasons. In this case, we're told, uh, we're told the reason, actually. NPR has an article on the subject about all these opt-out emails, and it explains this, quote, Many people struggle with Mother's Day and Father's Day for different reasons. Perhaps they've lost parents or children, confronted fertility issues, or they have complicated relationships with family members. As author and grief advocate Megan Devine points out, uh, there are so many ways to lose a mother or to lose mothering. The website Upworthy concurs, quote, Mother's Day is an occasion of celebration and love for some, while for others it is a painful reminder that reminds them of grief, infertility issues, or traumatic pasts. Some major brands have started to realize this. DoorDash, Pandora, uh, Mac, K Jewelers, and several other companies have sent an email blast to their customers, providing them with the option to stop any sort of Mother's Day branded emails or, or promotions. Uh, quote, 
What can be a wonderful time for some can be a difficult time for others. Julia Brand Pandora wrote in an April 2023 email to customers, we completely understand if you'd prefer to opt out. Simply let us know and give us your email and so on. This gesture brings relief to many for whom this day brings grief. Quote, as an infertile person who did years of medical treatment to get pregnant, I can tell you this opt-out stuff is not new, and it's something appreciated by infertility and loss communities, and I imagine by people who have lost parents or have bad relationships with them, according to one Twitter user. So this is the point. Mother's Day is triggering for all the people who have experienced difficulties related to their mothers or motherhood or fertility or childbirth, and somehow a, a Mother's Day advertisement is traumatic, according to this logic, and yet having to actively opt out of Mother's Day ads for dozens of different brands is not traumatic. That's totally incoherent, of course, but the lack of coherence is another hallmark of wokeness. You know, if my own, if my own mother died, God forbid, I would think it'd be much more emotionally taxing to go into my inbox and find all of the spam emails and open them and actively reply to them asking them not to send me any any Mother's Day material because my mother is dead. You know, I think that'd be much more difficult than simply just ignoring the spam, uh, and uh, which goes to the spam folder anyway, most of it. Yet one way or another, Mother's Day uh, will come and people will celebrate. And yes, if you've lost your mother or if you struggle with fertility or if you have a bad relationship with your mother or whatever else, that celebration may conjure up some difficult emotions for you. But it's not just Mother's Day that will have that effect. When you're struggling with a serious challenge in your life or you're grieving over a loss or experiencing some other kind of deep emotional pain, you'll find a universe suddenly chock full of signs pointing back to those wounds. And this is true when it comes to you know, very serious traumas like the loss of a loved one. Um, in your grief, you will find reminders of your loss everywhere you go. It's also true of much less severe but still significant pains like uh, financial difficulties. If you've, ever, if you've ever had serious money problems, you know that when you have money problems, the world will constantly remind you of your money problems, especially around the holidays, any holiday. And even if there is nothing actively reminding you of whatever it is you're struggling with, you still are stuck with your own mind, which is keenly aware of these struggles and constantly turning them over and dwelling on them, no matter what else is going on in the outside world. Wokeness wants to make us fragile by encouraging us to shield ourselves from these difficult emotional experiences. In fact, it tells us that we have the right to be shielded from them, that the world should reorient itself so that we are not forced to think about things that make us uncomfortable. The result is that we never learn to live with the hardships. We only learn how to live around them, avoiding them, hiding from them. That's how we become a country full of people who cannot cope with any discomfort, whether big or small. Always looking for the opt-out option. And unfortunately, our society is run by institutions that are eager to provide it, which may make us more comfortable in the moment, but they won't help us become stronger, better functioning people in the long run. And that is why these companies and their Mother's Day opt-out emails are today canceled. Now will do it for this portion of the show. Let's move over to the members block. You can become a member today by using code Walsh at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Hope to see you there. If not, talk to you tomorrow. Godspeed.